Hi, I'm Seth Atwater, the Literary Life Coach. So today we're going to start our series on the Disney princesses and the chances or likelihood of their having a happy life in the life that they've chosen. And we're going to base it solely on the Disney princess movies, only the original release. So no sequels. Yes. And I think it's important when we're talking about this to recognize that we're just having fun. We know that within the context of a story, especially a fairy tale story that characters aren't depicted in a realistic way and they're not meant to represent realistic actual human experience story kind of transcends realism especially fairy tales so take it for the fun that it's worth if these characters were as they're depicted in the movies in real life Right, so we're going to talk about the psychological effects and traumas and things that they would face in a real-life situation. So, like, if we say that your favorite character has psychological problems, it doesn't mean that you should like the movie any less. That's my main point. Absolutely. It doesn't have effect on the movie as a work of art. Right. So what we're going to do is we're going to go through these characters from the earliest to the most recent, and we're going to go in chronological order of movie release. And so we'll start with Snow White and work our way all the way through who would be our last ones that we would be doing then. Oh, it depends on what canon we're sticking with. Probably through the Frozen movie princesses, I would right. think. Right. I think that's probably a good plan. So we'll work our way through those and we'll talk about each of those characters, kind of what they face moving forward after the movie and what their chances are of happiness And then maybe we'll compare some of them as we go at the end. So we're going to start with Snow White. And Jessica is going to introduce us to the characters. Okay, so I'm going to give just a quick plot summary then, I guess. Yeah, just tell us a little bit about the plot. All right, as it applies to relationship and psychological issues. So Snow White is a young teenager. She's supposed to be about 14 years old. Her mother died and then her father remarried and her father died and she's living with a stepmother who treats her very poorly who makes her dress in rags and treats her like a servant and despite that Snow White is pretty cheerful and upbeat she however wishes to get away from her current relationship she's dreaming about a future relationship that will be better than what she has her opening scene in the movie is the song, I'm Wishing. She sings to a wishing well, and she's wishing for someone to find her and love her. And just as she's wishing that, somebody shows up. An older prince who's supposed to be around, I think, 18 years old, 17 or 18. And he shows up and shows interest in her. She's frightened. She runs away, but they have a little bit of a kind of flirty romantic interlude. And then he takes off. Her stepmother decides to have her killed and she escapes from the assassin who lets her run away into the forest. In the forest, she's frightened, but she kind of regains her composure and finds herself at the house of the seven dwarves where she pitches in to make herself useful, keeps up her general, cheerful, upbeat demeanor, but she's still dreaming about the future when she's going to have a long-term relationship that will be positive and dreaming of someday my prince will come. Her stepmother isn't content with letting her get away alive and so she chases after her, feeds her the notorious poison apple and 
Snow White is left for dead until, lo and behold, the handsome prince shows up at the... Well, in fact, she lays as if she's dead in a glass coffin for, like, several seasons, right? The end of the movie, you see the seasons change. It goes through winter. It's spring Mm -hmm. again. So I don't know exactly how long it's been. But after a sufficient period of time, the prince hears about her, shows up, lifts the glass lid of the coffin, kisses her, and lo and behold, she's alive again, and he carries her off to his castle in the clouds with the dwarves and animals rejoicing along the way. So So is that the kind of summary you want? Yeah, that's fantastic. So now the question that we have to ask ourselves is, what are her and that prince, what are their chances of being able to have a happy relationship together throughout life? And what are the things that are going to get in the way? What are going to be the obstacles that impede that happiness? And what are the specific skills and talents that she has or that he has that will benefit that relationship and help it along? So I think the first thing that people think of when they think of these types of Disney princesses and being an example of bad relationships, what they think is the fact that they really don't know each other at all. They saw each other once, then we see Snow White's perspective, and she's dreaming about the prince, and then he shows up again at the end. And I would um, like to put forward the idea that that is not the major relationship danger or likelihood of making their relationship bad. Lots of good relationships have been started on people not knowing each other very well. It doesn't actually have as much to do with whether or not the relationship turns out well as you might think. However, Snow White does have some really obvious things that are not likely to make a married relationship easy for her. Right. So in in your mind, as you look at her, what are some of those that you can see that are pretty obvious and glaring? Well, she has childhood trauma with the death of both of her parents and then her mistreatment by her stepmother. And And I'm going to say abuse, not just mistreatment. This is is pretty severe abuse by her stepmother. So she's had, and I don't think we know how long it's been since her father died. Her mother died. I think it's implied when she's a baby, but I don't know if we know for sure, but we don't really know how long her stepmother's been in her life and how long she's been being abused. But the way that she's being treated is certainly an awful lot of psychological baggage, and she does not seem in any way to be processing that. It definitely seems to me something that she is putting down and putting aside in favor of putting forward an always sunny, cheerful disposition, no matter how hard the situation is. Right. And that's one of the things when I, when I meet with a client who has experienced trauma, it's interesting because sometimes they'll come and they want to work on something else. They're come in with this idea of I'm anxious and I want to get through my anxiety about this illness that's either myself or somebody in my family has. And pretty quickly, I can tell that they'd been abused as a child because of the way they do exactly like you're talking about. They put forth this almost ultra positive front. And oftentimes I can tell and I can ask them, has this been a problem? And then usually we, we get into working through the trauma, which is a good thing. But I agree with you. She's at 14 years old. She's just trying to survive. And that means putting on this ultra positive front. But... Isn't it a positive characteristic to make the best of bad situations, to be cheerful in times of trouble? It It is. It says, with a smile and a song, life is just like a bright sunny day, your cares fade away. It is, and it's very good that she's doing that because otherwise she would be totally miserable in her situation. So she needs that as a coping mechanism to begin with. 
But the problem is we're talking about her future relationship with her prince. And that's where the problem was going to come in. It's going to come in that she's going to have a hard time maintaining that front with somebody who is treating her well. And I'm assuming that he's going to treat her well. Now, if he doesn't treat her well, that might actually help her to, to go forward. But I think at some point she's going to have to look back, confront that trauma and work through it. And then she can continue to have a cheerful disposition. Having the cheerful disposition is not a bad thing, but it does cover up the trauma. And so it's going to have to be uncovered. And for a lot of people, it's not really natural to go from that. I've been covering my trauma with cheerfulness and people pleasing to I am coping with the fact that terrible things have happened to me mm-hmm. and that I feel terrible about that. But you just brought up another really good thing and that's the people pleasing. She is a people pleaser and she does that with her stepmother. She does what her stepmother tells her to do. There's no indication that she complains or argues and then when she finds the dwarf's house in the woods the first thing she thinks is this is a mess i should clean it up and we just have to assume that her motivation from that is it will be pleasing to the residents of this house to have it clean right and the fact that she's and maybe in, they'll let me stay she says and maybe they'll let me stay and she's falling into actually a very similar pattern to what she was in with her stepmother in that she's the servant and she becomes the servant for the dwarves And it's very easy to move from that, especially if you keep it up long term, into a martyr persona. I think she's also highly in danger of being the kind of person who puts forward a cheerful front but is resentful of people just taking what they offer and not really responding in kind. But people can't respond in kind because they give too much. Right. And so that's definitely a a danger that she has to look forward to in her relationship with the prince. And if she wants to serve him like she served her stepmother, like she served the dwarves, if she then comes and serves him that way, it is going to be difficult for her to not build up a resentment. And then you start to get that passive aggressive type of behavior that she'll serve him, but she'll be passive aggressive. And we don't really know enough about him because there's really no character development with him. Yeah. So I know, know that in this early him. days of animation, Disney really was having a hard time with the animation of the male characters. In fact, they had some longer scenes for the prince that ended up going into Sleeping Beauty later. They originally planned to develop the prince character more and they just didn't like how the animation was turning out. So they minimized his presence in the movie as much as possible. And because of that, you're right, we know almost nothing about him. We know he shows up when Snow White wants him and then shows up at the end when he finds it, when he hears about her, but it's a long time. So that's not much to go on. So we don't have a lot to go on. And the other thing about Snow White that I want to bring up, and that is the ease with which she trusts strangers. She goes off with the huntsman. Maybe she knows the huntsman. Maybe not. He's a huntsman. She's been a servant. She probably doesn't know him well. But she just goes off with him fully trusting. When he says, I'm supposed to kill you, and he's there with a knife, and then he tells her to go into the forest because her stepmother is trying to kill her, and she runs into the forest, and she runs into the dwarf's house, she cleans it up, and she thinks, maybe they'll let me stay. She didn't know who lives there. (laughs) That's a really good point. Maybe they'll let me stay. And then when she she doesn't does. know that, I mean, the husband says the queen is the one who wants to kill you, but he's the one there with the knife. I mean, how does she know that Right, he is- so then she comes in and she's perfectly trusting of these dwarves who come in and she's cleaned their house. And so she's perfectly trusting of them. And then 
her stepmother comes in a disguise as an old hag and she's perfectly trusting of her. So even though she's been warned that somebody's out there trying to kill her, she keeps trusting these strangers. And I think in a psychological way, that's sort of a reactive attachment. Especially when you combine it with the type of childhood trauma and abuse that, that she's, she's had. Right. She's got this reactive attachment where she's just attaching to strangers because she's just needing to be accepted and loved. And so she's just immediately attaching to anybody who will. That can be a really big problem as she moves forward in her relationship with her prince. Okay, so since we don't know anything about the prince, let's just give a couple of really quick scenarios based on possible things. One, he's a really good guy, and he's just kind of a generally psychologically well-adjusted person who is going to try hard to be a good husband. What do we see there as an outcome? That's an interesting question. And as you say that, I just I struggle with that scenario because... I know, because you want to... also... Sees this girl and he's like, Well, I want to marry you because you're beautiful. <laughs> and he takes her off to his castle in the clouds. I was like, Oh, okay, that's a little strange. Um, no, but just saying he is. Just a, a generally good guy. I think that Snow... Let's say that fits courtship norms of their time period. Right. So Snow White does have the positive trait of being able to make things that are negative into a positive. That would Give that to her. That's really a positive trait that she's able to use. But the problem is she's not the one, I think, that's likely to be put into a negative situation from this point. If he's a good guy, he's going to take care of her. She's not used to that. She's used to people using her and mistreating her. And I think that actually leads to some serious problems because her reactive attachment that she has is one that makes her attached to strangers, not to people she knows. So as she gets to know him, she will probably withdraw as she gets to know him more and attach to stranger people around him that will be hurtful to him. So she might be the kind of queen who's beloved by all the peasants that she goes and visits all the time, but her actual relationship with her husband might be a struggle to achieve true intimacy. Absolutely. I could definitely see that being an issue. Now, if we take another scenario and we say he's a... He's kind of a creep and he's taking advantage of her. He's a creep and he's taking advantage of her. Then, surprisingly, she will handle that better initially. Initially, she'll handle that better. She'll be able to put on that front, but you're going to have the same thing where she's going to be a servant to him, but build up resentment. And he's, and maybe daydream about other lives. And maybe daydream of, about other lives outside of her life. And, and may, that could cause an eventual breach. Well, that almost certainly would. But if he's being a jerk, and then the problem is she's in a society where he's the king or the prince. He's going to have a lot of control over her life, and she's probably just going to be unhappy for the rest of her life. And she's not going to be able to do anything about it and the thing is because she doesn't know him and we don't know him she's taking a big risk she is and then the other option is he's just a normal guy who has a lot of his own issues and his own problems and and they work on the problems together and they work on the problems together and i actually think that would be her best scenario is if he had some of his own psychological issues that he had to deal with and because she would be able to come in with her cheerful disposition be able to support him and as he developed and changed and became stronger each change that he made he would be coming different he'd be 
becoming stronger, better, which would allow her to continue to build that attachment rather than to push away. So since probably the majority of people fit more into that category than to either of the other two categories, maybe we can say Snow White has a pretty decent chance of a happily ever after. I think so. I'm going to throw one last thing in here real quickly, and that is support for them from outside sources. Snow White has no family support. The prince, as far as we can tell, doesn't really have a lot of family support. So they're going into this alone, blind. And that's also a problem. Maybe the dwarves are their emotional support. Maybe. They, they visit a lot. All right. Okay, let's give a quick rating on Snow White and Prince Charming. What is their happily ever after rating on a scale of 12? One out of 12. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's Our son difference. Seth says that's the ideal scale. He has a whole bunch of logical reasons as to why you okay. should do one out of 12 instead of so 10. So we're going to one out of 12, one being completely miserable and 12 being as ecstasy. happy as you could. Yeah, ecstasy. Okay, so if I'm giving a rating for Snow White and her chance, now, now this is the chance for happiness, right? Not how happy she is, but the yes. chance for happiness. Okay. I think I would rate... Snow White at probably between a four and a five. Oh, that's pretty low. I think it's a pretty low chance because I think, well... I was going to give her like maybe a seven or an eight. Oh, wow. That's good. So you see her as so a, having a better chance. So you say four or five, I say seven or eight. Then that means if we meet in the middle, then we're at five to six averaging out. Yeah. My biggest reason for, for coming down from maybe six, which might be my initial thought, was just not a lot of familial support. And I think without the familial support, I have to go down and... Uh, okay, so let's leave her with a five then. Okay, I can go with that. Between the two of us, we can agree on a five. Okay, our happily ever after score for Snow White is five out of 12. Well, thank you for listening. Uh, next time we'll talk about Sleeping Beauty. Are we skipping Cinderella? Does Cinderella come before Sleeping Beauty? Oh, totally, like 1950. I like Sleeping Beauty better than Cinderella, but we're going to do Cinderella first anyways. Okay. Okay. <laughs>